Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 31 of DN Discussions, the podcast for players and DMs alike, where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host, Ryan Reeder, and with me, as always, is my good buddy, Ben Bumhofer. How are you doing this evening, Ben? I am doing absolutely fantastic. After a hard day of work, I'm here to talk to you, a good friend, about something I absolutely love. So how can it not be a good time? Well, you want to know how it could be even a better time? I am baffled and have no idea how this could possibly be any better. It's if B. Dave Walters was here to talk about Dungeons and Dragons with us, which he actually is. <laughs> uh, hey, how are you doing tonight? <laughs> uh, great, 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 great. Thank you all for, for having me on. I appreciate it. And uh, just so I can get the final bit of what we were talking about out of my system, uh, vote. Yeah. Register to vote and vote. Just Definitely. vote. That's all I have to say. 100%. Register to vote. Vote. Yes, the battle of 100%. our time is in November. Vote. Yep. <laughs> 100%. Uh, so tonight, uh, I, I talked to B-Dave uh, a week or so ago, and it's, it's pretty, pretty exciting because uh, this is a, a topic that I've been really wanting to do for a while, but I didn't want to do it because I don't have as much experience with it. Um, and so I wanted to get somebody on who, who had more experience. And so we're going to, we're going to talk about some, some role play and such. Uh, but additionally, uh, especially to start off our, our D, DM talk, we're going to talk about high level Dungeons and Dragons. And this is something that's really cool, but not a lot of people really get to experience. And there's a multitude of reasons for that. I mean, it takes a long time to get to level 20 in a campaign. It's a lot of commitment. Uh, it's a lot on the DM. It's a lot on the players. Uh, and so just, just getting there even is, is hard. And, but also there's not a lot of content. There's, there's some content here and there. I mean, if, you, if you're a big Critical Role fan, uh, their, their first campaign did get up into the, the high teens uh, for levels and stuff. So you got to see a little bit of that, but there's very little official content that runs in the tier four, the you know, 16 to 20 range. And mm -hmm. there's, there's some third party content you can find, but the majority of content right now is produced in the like one to 10. Uh, so I wanted to, to kind of talk about that a little bit, but first um, I wanted to kind of introduce uh, B Dave a little bit. And I wanted to kind of get uh your background in D and D and RPGs. Uh, how did you how did you get started? And uh, talk a little bit about your personal DMing style. All right. So only everything. All right. There we go. We're gonna start <laughs> just, at the just top. a little bit. Yeah. The just just TLDR. Say, yeah. We don't ask all much. of it. Yes. <laughs> uh, I've been playing since I was thirteen years old, which is you know years now. Uh, which is a, a very long time um, playing in DM in the whole time. Um, got into it like so many people did. Uh, I actually played a different game called Rifts first um, and quickly realized that like Rifts was rough because it was just rocket tech and every book, the power creep was insane. And, and a buddy of mine that was like a hipster purist was like, no, you got to play D and D. So started second edition was there for third 3.5 uh, abandoned them completely for fourth edition. And then uh, came <laughs> back for fifth edition. I uh, was a relatively late adopter of fifth, of fifth edition. I didn't start playing until like 2016, 2017. Um, and 
uh, I've ran a Pathfinder campaign from level one to level 20, including all 10 mythic tiers. So I've done it. I've come up, I've come up the hard side of the mountain and um, I made high level play my jam. Like I, I, Honestly, I looked at it very tactically when I first started streaming that it was uh, what's what's a niche that is unoccupied and is that because uh, according to D&D Beyond stats, fewer than 5% of campaigns actually make it to level 20 or even have level 20 characters. So that includes wow. campaigns that start at level 20, fewer than 5%. So uh, to me, though, I, I looked at it very differently from the beginning. Because my, my outlook on it was shaped by two important things. One, I like superheroes. Um, I, I like powerful beings that, you know, have world-altering or universe-altering stakes. Uh, I don't really particularly care for low-level play. Like E7, like where you only play to level 7 and start over is the dumbest thing in the world to me. It makes zero <laughs> sense. Um, because I'm like, if at least 12, like I would debate 12, like you could, you could sell me on 12. Cause like some nice, some dope things have happened for everybody around 11, 12, but seven, nah. Um, and the other thing was my, my martial arts background. Cause I have black belts in a couple of different disciplines and from people that don't train thinks being a black belt means you have learned everything when actually what it means is you've learned the basics. You're, you're a, you're a serious enthusiast. Like you, you know enough that you can get serious when you earn your black belt. And I just kind of brought that approach to D and D that where everybody else was like, this is where the game ends. I was like, no, this is where the game begins. Um, and yeah, uh, from, from our first stream, Theogony of Kairos, uh, all the way through uh, Dark and Wish, the D&D the comic I wrote that I, that I DM the stream for now. Uh, I wanted to show uh, the realities of high-level play and what high-level characters are capable of. And there is a reason why literally the second page of A Dark and Wish, Helene steps off the balcony and drops Meteor Swarm on an army and kills a bunch of people because a wizard can. So <laughs> I just wanted to be able to like, show that side of it. And uh, some of the mechanics and nitty gritty I'll talk about, you know, more, more as we get into it. But yeah, that's, that's, that's how it came to be how it is. Oh, that's awesome. And there's, like you said, there's, there's certain, I guess, allure to lower levels, especially for newer players. It's, it's much simpler mechanically. It's, you don't have as much you have to, you have to worry about uh, because higher levels, it's not just a DM thing. It's a player thing. Like you said, when you're a level 20 wizard, you're, spell sheet is <laughs> like a page and a half long to try and pick stuff from but uh there's nothing like the that kind of player power that you get at any other level of the game so uh talk to us a little bit about how you dm a high level campaign because it's not just uh here's a really big bad guy go yep. fight the really big bad guy yep and there they've done that like there's there's more to it and it gets into the like uh the emotional stakes or yeah. the the having to choose between things uh it's it's not just the the lethality of the game because to tell you the truth the game is the most lethal at level one mm -hmm. uh that goblin yep. with a two-handed axe will lay you out when you have like a spell <laughs> and six hit points like mm -hmm. you can get broke off with the quickness um so it is not just that um the game at level 20 becomes less about what can you do and what should you do. 
um, when we got started with uh, Theogony and Kairos, which I know is it's very difficult to find online. So if you wanna, if you ever wanna see it, hit me up on Twitter. My DMs are open at B Dave Walters. I'll tell you where you can find Theogony and Kairos. Um, but I, which was uh, was just for for those of you that aren't familiar with it, um, I knew I wanted the premise that they were gonna start at level zero. Um, at the time, the studio where I was filming, they were really working hard to make level zero a thing. Uh, so I was like, cool, well, I'll help. We'll start at level zero and then they will uh, become level 20. And I started them at level zero because I wanted them, I wanted their choices to have weight because if they started at level 20 and I was like, that's the bully who always beats you up. It's like dope, disintegrate. But if we took some time to find out who the bully was and what they were, why they were doing what they were doing, then uh, they, they thought more about it. And I told them in advance, Look, you know, at this level of power, you can summon tidal waves and destroy whole kingdoms. Like, you can. Like, you can win wars by yourself. But after that, there's going to be a refugee crisis, you know, and, and the, the neighboring kingdoms that were their allies are going to send their armies against you. And if there's 2,000 dudes, statistically speaking, 10% of them are going to roll 20s when they shoot arrows at you and you're going to get lit up. So, you know, <laughs> got to think about the, the consequences of your actions. Mm -hmm. And in that in particular, when, when they finally got to the point that they got their powers, it was the end of episode four. I think, which at the time I thought, I thought we were going to get there by episode one. I was kind of going to give them like this little survey of the town and GG, now you're gods. But just organically, that's, that's the way, the way it went down. And uh, maybe episode three, but it was a little ways into it. And their town had been beset by goblins. Goblins are great enemies. Um, and they had been overrun and they'd been kidnapped and they were being held um, and they were about to be executed by these goblins. And that was when the gods appeared to them and chose them as their champions. So, of course, they're full Super Saiyan. They're throwing fireballs. Of course, the goblins are defenseless, magic missiles, you know, and, and, and I'd made the goblins awful. They had it coming. And they're kicking in doors, blowing things up, and they kick in a door and it's the nursery. Here's all these little baby go babies and goblin children. What are you going to do? I really was, I'm like, are you just going to drop a fireball on them? And as they were like weighing what they were going to do, I'm like, also this Warrens is on fire because of things you've done. Also, you've killed all their parents. Mm -hmm. Now what? You know, uh, that's not a power question. That's a, that's a role-playing moral dilemma question. I will also say uh, what a lot of people don't realize, even the mechanics of it, it is much easier to challenge high-level characters now because of the legendary actions and things like that. If you pair up a couple of legendary monsters that have AOE legendary actions that are dropping five or six attacks on everybody every single round, it still gets pretty freaking dangerous pretty freaking fast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. More or less it. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I love, I love uh, the, the term used, moral dilemma. That's, that's something that's, that's really cool because a lot of times, not necessarily all the time, but a lot of times in earlier levels, you don't necessarily have that huge moral dilemma. You have the, the clear, do this, do that, get paid. Or yeah. That's yeah, the bad here. guy. He's wearing black. Yeah. That must be, that's the lich. The lich is the bad <laughs> yeah. person. Yeah, the lich is the bad person. And so, yeah. yeah, once you start getting into these things as a DM, if you want to challenge your players, you have to start introducing these moral dilemmas because if it's just problems they can solve through power, they've got the power. Yep. They, can, they can solve the things. And well, so, it, oh, God. 
Well, excuse me, I, did, I didn't mean to interrupt you, though. But but it's um, it's not only that, but just from a, a storytelling element, and this applies to any type of story you're trying to tell, from deeming to writing on down, because you know that's what I am as a storyteller. Is you got to remember the villain believes they're the hero of the story. Exactly. You know, they've got their own motivation. They've got their own reason. And also remember uh, that intelligent creatures should behave intelligently. Uh, if something is capable of cognition and has language, then it's capable of talking. It's capable of diplomacy. It's capable of strategy. It's capable of trying to outwit you or running away or realizing that person is the most dangerous. Get them. Or, uh, you know, the cleric is the one who's keeping everybody up. Get them, you know, um, uh, so have your antagonists not only have a firm reason for doing what they're doing. You know, I've been very active in the um, the alteration of the, the perception of quote unquote evil races, because quite frankly, the evil races by pure coincidence tend to be dark skinned. And uh, which is, you know, an inheritance of Tolkien, which is an inheritance of Finnish mythology. Like I get it. But now in, in the year 2020, if you're like, they're evil because they're orcs. That's lazy storytelling, you know? Uh, or they're good because they're elves. Equally lazy storytelling. Mm -hmm. the, the, the best thing I like to do, and this was, because uh, I'm lucky that I get to do like a lot of celebrity one shots and things like that. And um, we were doing a charity game and this was hot on the heels of uh, George Floyd getting murdered. And the characters got dropped into a situation where a group of um, Empyreans, you know, uh, these good angels or these good giants, they're, they're like angelic giants, were on the way to kill this, uh, to, to wipe out this village of orcs, goblins, and bugbears. And the Hyperions were like, well, they're evil. We're going to kill them. And the players are like, why? And they're like, because they're evil. We're going to kill them. And like to the Hyperians, that made sense. And I have the, the players had to be like, well, well, what they do? And they're like, they're down there. That's what they did. <laughs> you know? And yeah. uh, you know, just watching, watching how all of that shook out. But a lot of this stuff goes unexamined in the tropes of the game. And I think it's possible to have an irredeemably evil foe. But I think... One, I think that's the providence of characters like Mind Flayers that are not just different. They're from a very different place and are meant to be different. And they're still interesting characters like the Exile, like Mind Flayers that still get their free will, still try to do something different, you know? Mm -hmm. um, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's funny because, uh, you know, when you're, you're talking about, you know, uh, enemy motivation and everything like that like in my own campaign uh, there was a group of orcs that was raiding a town but it's because they completely ran out of food you know hunted their their forests and everything didn't know how to actually farm or anything like that my players came in and actually brokered a uh, you know like a treaty between the town and the orcs now they're actually living together learning how to farm and you know like totally working things out right there Whereas, yeah. like, main storyline, there's this cult who's bringing this demigod back who they think is going to give them this, you know, uh, perfect world and everything because, I mean, w what sort of villain wants to just destroy the world? No. Mm -hmm. You destroy it to make it something better. Mm -hmm. And, you know, look at that as there's really no question that's the evil side of things. And, yeah. you know, having the different levels on that really helped a whole lot with, you know, just narrative in the world's overall as well as giving players motivation and the ability to know that you know 
there are options no matter what's going on uh, in however you wanted to actually play it out. Yeah. And, and I mean, in terms of, you know, a, a quote unquote pro tip kids, uh, when you're looking at alignment, people think of this spectrum of lawful good or the best people, chaotic evil or the worst people, but that's not true. The spectrum to law, neutrality, or chaos is a person who values law or neutrality or chaos, who values structure or n- has no opinion on the matter or, you know, random chance. And then the, the continuum from good to evil is the continuum from selflessness to selfishness. The definition of evil is selfishness, which motions broadly at everything in the world right now. And I will leave you to do with that what you will. But when you're, when you're coming down to what makes a villain, uh, it's that to what extent can they not see past themselves, which is why some of my favorite characters and a trope that always repeats that I always love. Uh, it's Anakin Skywalker. It's yes. Arthas Manethel. It's the character who really meant well, who really meant well and lost himself in the process. And maybe he figures it out eventually and maybe he doesn't, mm-hmm. but those are the characters that I love the most in that more than just the, uh, you know, 60s style version of the Joker, even though shout out to the Joker. But it's like, you know, I'm going to steal this giant violin because I feel <laughs> like it and I'm evil. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and you're like, the chaos. Yeah. Right. Ah, yeah. right. No, Only it- Skeletor could get away with doing something purely <laughs> because he was evil. Always valid with Skeletor. Everyone else, though, no. Oh, yeah. No, in fact, it's funny that you bring up Anakin. There's, um, it's a old, now it's like legacy Star Wars series now, you know, not canon anymore. Um, I think it was like a nine book series. I want to say it's Legacy of the Force. And mm-hmm. it's uh, Han and, and Leia's son basically turning to the dark side, full yep. dark path, going up through the government and everything. And again, just like that, he sees everything as, oh, you know, I'm doing this for the greater good, you know, yep. com- thinking he's completely selfless in this and he's just destroying things and just going yep. so evil. At the risk of, you know, causing more uh, nerd rage, which don't get me wrong, I mean, <laughs> the Jason Jane Solo books Perfect. would have made such a better movie <laughs> than what we got. Jason, J- J- Jason, Jaina, and Anakin, and mm-hmm. like how that all goes. Mm-hmm. <sighs> you know, flu, basa, <laughs> exhale, yeah, yeah. you know. But I I remember, you know, I I played Warcraft 3 and then, you know, WoW came out and, um, um, you know, the Ice Crown Citadel came out. And when you finally fight Arthas and you finally beat him, I mean, I'm like, spoiler alert, but this was like 10 years ago. uh, (laughs) uh, When Arthas is laying there dying and his father appears to him and is like, I've come to take you to your ancestors. And Arthas says, I see nothing but darkness before me and dies. Dude, I cried so much. I cried <laughs> so much. I was like, what have I done? I realized he was irredeemably evil, but I didn't want this for <laughs> You know, but, you know, but, but to, to the point when you, in many ways, that's high level play. The, the character that Arthas became from you know the young boy growing up you know with with his on again off again love affair with jana also they did my girl jana proud more dirty neither here nor there i'm with you but uh, you know to (laughs) the lich king you know 
I mean, that's a, that is a, a dramatic arc. And his story really begins after he's the Lich King, mm-hmm. you know? That's high-level play. Exactly. And it's, it's, it's super interesting that you bring that up because in a lot of ways, this, this whole thing we've been talking about is uh, somewhat how to make a three-dimensional villain versus versus a one-dimensional villain because and and you you mentioned the lich king and both both me and ben uh as as many of our listeners know are big wow people we've Mm -hmm. been we've both been playing for a really long time and one of the things that really stood out to me in the wrath of the lich king expansion was how present arthas was throughout the whole leveling experience Mm -hmm. it wasn't just a here's ice crown citadel Mm-hmm. At the at the end, and that's that's your raid, and it's done. It's no, he was appearing and being present in the dungeons, in the world quests, and stuff like that. And so you can you can draw a lot of really good parallels, um, especially for a big ongoing villain or mm-hmm. someone who a higher level may challenge these people. Make them present. Make yeah. them a threat. Make yeah. your characters. Like see them, feel them, maybe maybe even hate them for mm-hmm. for what mm-hmm. they are doing, and then when that final confrontation comes, it's going to feel much more personal and much more legitimate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the the extent to which it, sorry sorry Ben, I, I, no, I, no, I didn't mean fine. to interrupt you there. The extent to which you can make what the villain want make sense, you know, like whether or not you agree with them, that you're like, yeah, okay, I got it, you know. Arthas, you know, again, to not to, to belabor, belabor the metaphor was like, hey, we're being attacked by undead. If I figure out a way to control the undead, not only will they not attack us, then we got an army to go attack them. You know, that in and of itself, you're like, no, okay, that seems legit. You're like, I, I see what you're getting at, you know? Um, and then, you know, narrator voice, it goes poorly. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but, but sorry, Ben, you were about to say something yeah. there. Uh, I was going to say, um, just there's a reason why, you know, Thanos works really well in the Marvel Cinematic universe whereas mm-hmm. Stefan wolf i still don't fully know what he wanted to do you know he just kind of popped in and out whereas thanos had a presence and yep. you learn more about his character just because you know he was built up and you gave you know just more information on the whole thing yeah. you cared a lot more when he showed up and started killing people yeah. versus like like you said the, the justice league movie where this random dude shows up and he's just like oh, i'm gonna kill a bunch of amazons and you're just like who are you yep yeah yeah i i think i do believe though justice league steppenwolf was a victim of the edit though and oh, but yeah. again to the point of not oh. uh, going too far from this literally <laughs> every single justice league comic is an example of high level play because mm-hmm. with extremely rare exceptions those stories aren't about them getting new powers like they show up who they are you know wonder woman can do what she does batman superman flash they can all do what they do on occasion they might get a new gadget or learn like unlock one new power but for the most part they arrive as powerful as they will ever be and yet they still can be challenged in new and different ways Mm -hmm. um with the steppenwolf thing I think the mistake they made was I think they tried to go the WWE route, which to a much lesser extent they did with Thanos, where you have the bad guy show up and beat up the toughest hero. And then, oh, he's a bad guy. That's why Thanos mm-hmm. worked the Hulk, because instantly you're like, oh, OK, you know, oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. Right. Threat. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I really I really didn't like some of the choices that were made. Um 
in the in the first half of uh um oh uh it was infinity um infinity, infinity War? War part one no but part in-game. one um yeah. uh, in game yeah in game um the killing all the killing all the asgardians like that mm-hmm. uh that just i'm again i'm like spoiler alert but this still was like three four years ago like if you're serious yeah. you've seen it by now um <laughs> uh the yeah, it, it it was it was it was cheap, and it completely undid the emotional impact of literally everything that had just happened in Thor Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. That was the movie immediately before this one, where it's mm-hmm. like, hey, remember how fa- how hard we fought and triggered a literal apocalypse to save like fifty of us? Remember that? Remember how that just happened? Because you saw it like a month ago. Remember that? <laughs> F all that, you know. And it was like, what? You know? Um, I don't. I one thing I don't like. In storytelling, and again, this all applies to tabletop, because literally everything I say about storytelling applies to tabletop, mm-hmm. is when people betray and deconstruct their own mythos. When they turn on the rules of the world that they themselves have established and then make it not that, you know? Um, I, I don't intend to go down the list of my geek outrages, because believe me, I can and I have receipts. <laughs> but it's, you know, the... If, you, if you're playing Ravenloft, you can innovate on that. You should innovate on that. But there is a certain tone of Ravenloft where there shouldn't be a happy-go-lucky beach episode of Ravenloft. You know, that's yeah. not that yep. game. You know, mm-hmm. that's not that game. Um, but by the same token, in the Forgotten Realms, even though, I mean, I guess I've done my fair share of scary Forgotten Realms stuff, uh, Forgotten Realms isn't Call of Cthulhu. You know, (laughs) yeah, you know, uh, so I I think observing, you know, some of those things of what makes those worlds, those worlds are important. But, you know, if if you've heard me talk before, a thing that I'm always saying, the reason why people play these tabletop games, the reason why video games will never completely do away with tabletop because video games are more advanced than ever. And yet tabletop is bigger than ever is the reason why people show up to play these games is they want to feel like they're at cause in the narrative, that their actions or their inactions matter. Mm -hmm. The things they do and don't do matter. And even though video games are getting more and more um, complex in their open world elements and AIs, if you're playing Elder Scrolls, if you roll into town and you're like, I want to tear a board off of that wagon and go beat that shopkeeper to death, you know, for the most part, a lot of times you can't do that, you know, or you can, but they're going to respond like it doesn't really matter, you know. Yeah. Um, in a tabletop game, it may be that you're trying to save the town or destroy the town or save the world or destroy the world or, you know, challenge the gods or become one. But you're crafting your own mythology. You're crafting your own legend. You're getting to live the story, mm-hmm. which is something that no other medium offers you. Not really. Yeah. And, you know, oh, if yeah. you're, you know, very talented as a DM too, you can take some of those just minor actions that happened, you know, 20 sessions ago, bring them back in some meaningful way as well. Whereas with a video game, you don't have that sort of interaction and, and you know, consequences that actually can move forward throughout the whole process. Yep, I had in that Pathfinder game that I said, uh, where we had the, that we played from level one to level 20, we had a character who was a bard who was secretly evil. I knew and he knew. No one else in the group knew. Everybody just assumed everyone was oh good. Gosh. He was hideously evil the entire time. And 
one of the things he was doing is he was secretly charming people and then later he was secretly dominating people when he got that and in pathfinder uh it charm lasted uh, a week per level so like when you got charmed like unless they attacked you like you were charmed for like a, a, a while oh, wow. so he very early uh there was a succubus um npc and he charmed the boss rather than than fight the boss he charmed her they ended up like charmed like three or four of the bosses ended up becoming like party members of theirs because they became friends <laughs> and and i very much played them that the trajectory over time was yes they started off charmed but they really became friends from the things they'd witnessed and seen you know uh, tra traveling with this group of heroes and he charmed this succubus but what he didn't know is i had her secretly charming everyone else Oh. And so they got to a point where literally her charm broke. His charm on her broke, but her charm on literally everyone else hadn't. That was a good session. That was a good <laughs> session. Yeah. When he woke up, he's like, hmm. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Yes, yes. So we have to talk about a number of things, you know. And he's like, charm, counterspell, actually. Not this time, you know. <laughs> and then uh, the bill came due abruptly. We'll just put it like that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But, uh, a, but again, that's not up. possible in a video game though. Something like yeah. that isn't possible in a video game. Oh yeah, for sure. And <laughs> and, and want to talk about God tier. That great job on that. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. That's a that's a that's <laughs> the that's the long game. That's the long game. This, uh, <laughs> no, yeah, no, 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 please. What 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 you were gonna say. Oh no, I was I was just kinda 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 moving to prep, but no, go ahead. What uh Go ahead and continue your thought. It's, but, you know, the, the long game thing swings both ways. I can mean, two examples, one of which just happened to me like a month ago. One, one happened like, you know, six or seven years ago. One happened like a month ago. Uh, in that same Pathfinder campaign, one of the characters from level one, his concept was he's a dragon slayer. Of course, he ain't slaying no dragons at level one. Uh, and <laughs> fairly early, he got an arrow of slang shot, which... Um, the way it worked in that game is you had to hit with the arrow. Then they had to pass a relatively easy con check or die, but it was pretty easy to pass. It was like a 13 or something. And I gave him this one arrow and it was basically Bard's black arrow. And yeah. I didn't think about it. Yeah, and yeah. then probably nine months later, they had this big encounter with a dragon. And I had it all planned out. I had it round for round. Like, you know, the dragon's going to come through in breath weapon, you know, and then it's going to take it like three turns to turn around. It's going to come back in breath weapon. And then it's going to turn and it's going to land. And I mean, I had it out. And we're, we, were, we were there and he's like, I was like, so you see the dragon approaching. And he's like, I shoot it with my, my arrow of dragon slang. And I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah what? you do what have now? that yeah okay sure yeah roll it because i'm like this thing has you know like a crazy high con con modifier so i'm like yeah sure do it he rolls natural 20 bang hits the dragon i roll one <laughs> and i have one house rule at my table that a 20 always succeeds and a one always fails and I was like, literally, round one, moment one, attack one, he shoots it out of the sky. Bang, boom. And they just go crazy. And it was the wildest, the wildest thing that had happened. But I mean, again, that's the strength of those games. And I would also say to DMs, when stuff like that happens, it throws your encounter off, let it happen. Because mm -hmm. I very easily could have been like, mm, he passes. Okay, so roll your save against fire breath. You know what I mean? And it would have been just another fight. 
But the fact that that happened is something that will stick with all of us for the rest of our lives. Yeah, it's a memory. Yeah, yeah. We're and, and making it, that, that crazy memory that only could happen with the dice. Exactly. On top of that too, it's a reward you know, for holding on to that arrow for so long and choosing when to use it. Right, you know, and the dice giveth and they taketh away. Oh, yeah. You know, they shall betray you. <laughs> and uh, I mean, that time he got it. And, and uh, just uh, maybe about two months ago on my Patreon server, uh, where I, world, I run World of Darkness and I run at level 20 D&D, so, hey, if you actually want to play level 20 D&D, patreon.com forward slash Walters. But uh, also, I was given finger guns at the camera that you can't see, but I hope you can hear my auditory <laughs> finger guns. Uh, they, some characters had come about uh, essentially a, a, a wish spell. They bartered for the, 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 the magic of a wish in this world. And I had a vampire who was an elder. And I'd built him expressly to be a vampire that werewolves need to be afraid of. Because otherwise, werewolves work vampires in the world yeah, of darkness. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a squash match. It's you're a six-year-old wrestling with your dad. Like, run for your <laughs> life, and you're just going to die tired. But I'd built this one vampire that he basically was Gaston. He was like a 2,000-year-old big game hunter that enjoyed <laughs> killing werewolves. So, because uh, that was the only challenging prey left. And I just built him up as just this nightmare over months. Like, I mean, he's the Terminator. They tried to stop him and they never could. And they laid this whole big trap that they were like, this is the final battle. Like, we, t tonight we die or he dies. Like, this is the end, you know? And I show up and I was ready to work them, you know? I was like, make your plan because he's coming to wreck all your faces. And, you know, they're fighting, fighting, and they're executing the plan. And I got to the point that he was about to start killing people. And because I... I I played him as kind of toying with them a little bit, that he's like, mm -hmm. I don't really get to do this very often, so come at me. Oh, you guys are so scary. All right, I'm tearing your <laughs> heart out, you know? And they had that wish. The same thing. They had spent... Because I even in D&D, I come from the Twilight Zone monkey paw school of wishcraft. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Where you can do literally anything, but it's going to be literally what you say, the worse I can make it, you know? Mm -hmm. And they dropped this wish on me that they later revealed they'd been working behind the scenes for six weeks to oh write this goodness. wish in wow. such a way that I could not twist it against them. And they had it, man. They had it. It was carefully worded. Amazing. All was it carefully worded. Amazing. Because I was like, mm. And they have all these screenshots of me literally like thinking my thinking face. <laughs> and the same thing, I had to let them have it. And, and ultimately what they did was they took his powers away. I mean, they phrased it more carefully than that, but they, that's what they did was take his powers. And then instead of being this 2000 year old wrecking ball, he suddenly was just a dude. And then, you know, the fight went very differently. <laughs> they literally hit him with a bolt of lightning, rammed a truck full of explosives into it and detonated it. That was the plan. <laughs> take his power, boom, bam, you know. Let Otherwise he'd have lived through all of it yeah but uh but again to your point ben it was it was rewarding their foresight one they knew they had this tool two they were conscious about what it would take to deploy it properly and i'm hard to trip up but they got me that time you man. gotta reward they, you gotta reward that kind of play as yes, a dm yeah man ding dong the witch is dead you know yeah but uh, i was i was seeing a thread going going through on on twitter not long ago about uh the whole sometimes as dms we can get attached and sometimes too attached to our characters or yeah. to our villains mm -hmm. and so sometimes when something doesn't play out the way that we want it to or something we need to go well 
they did a good job or they got lucky or whatever. That's, yep. that's just how it is. That's and then there's probably is. somebody worse yep. <laughs> out there somewhere. <laughs> you know, and, and you can always bring a villain back somewhere down the line. Because another thing I did in that same Pathfinder campaign, because it took about four years to play all the way to level wow. 20. Oh, um, they, uh, they, as they were defeating bosses along the way, uh, their great enemy, essentially their Thanos, was in the underworld collecting their souls and offering them a second chance. Uh, so they eventually ended up with their own demonic Legion of Doom where they had all of these demons that were foes they'd beaten, you know, that died incredible. pissed off at them that came oh, back good. again. That's you know, really good. <laughs> and, and when they got that reveal, they were just like, oh, come on. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. that's how it is. Yeah, maybe it should have been cooler to these people. Oh, well, roll initiative. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, you, you can do stuff like that, and you can still do it in a way that is um, compelling because, again, that's not just about the power about the power at that point because I will tell you, again, another pro tip, that you can take the stat blocks of these monsters, especially if you have D&D &D Beyond, which you should. Shout out to D&D &D Beyond. Mm -hmm. And you can reskin a monster stat block to be whatever that monster you need to be able to test your party. Like uh, the, the Rak Tulkesh and Sulkatesh uh, monsters from uh, Eberron. Uh, I have thrown them at people a lot lately in a thousand different guises. You know, I have taken uh, Tiamat and reskinned Tiamat to be like something else that was like worthy of a lot of foes because the, the challenge that has always been in DMing and 5th edition has done the best job of it with uh, the legendary actions is... Up until now, the monster was going to do one to three things. The monster was going to cast a spell, do a breath weapon, or claw claw bite. That kind mm -hmm. of was what it was. And then it was going to have to endure between 6, 18, or 24 counterattacks. And then it would get to do its one to three things. Yep. <laughs> it was just like beat up, beat up, beat up, beat up, breath weapon. Beat up, beat up, beat up, beat up, claw claw bite. Beat up, beat up, beat up. <laughs> you know, and the, the uh, legendary actions have helped a lot with that. So if you know you've got a particularly powerful group and their foe is an ancient red dragon, or I mean, ancient bronze dragon, but you decide to pull up the ancient red dragon stat block just to give them a little more of a challenge, you know, that's okay. That's okay, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean... In, in uh, another trick I would do that they never caught on to is <laughs> they were just so damn powerful that they could smash almost anything in a round. Pathfinder, the, the big shortcoming of Pathfinder, especially at the high levels, it was rocket tag. Like every time someone took an action, someone was going to die. So someone yeah. was going to kill the monster or the monster was going to kill somebody, like period. That's just what it was. And so a lot of times with the monsters, I just knew in my own mind, especially if it was an encounter that was supposed to mean something, have some weight, that it's going to live two rounds. Like it just is. You know, like I'm not even going to start counting its hit points till the third round. So <laughs> they can feel like they got in here and fought for something. Uh, fifth edition is a little better balanced because a lot of the, the stronger monsters have uh, those deep dish health pools and legendary resistances and stuff. Like you can do it a little more by the book in fifth edition. But, you know, just because the stat block says it is a certain way you have it within your power as the dm to change it just be consistent about it you know yeah. don't like if you know in advance i'm doubling its hit points we'll double its hit points but don't then be like mm, 
I didn't want it to die now, so now it's immune to radiant damage. You know, I'm like, no, that's yeah. lame. Like, at least decide in advance and stick to it. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, it, sure. adjust, adjusting on the fly should make it easier. Not exactly, you know, super harder when it's, oh, well, all the things that you've been doing this entire time, eh, they don't really matter anymore. They're just, mm-hmm. you know. yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I I had a really great time. <laughs> um, in Dungeons and Dragons of Dark and Wish, uh, the, the stream season one, uh, where they were fighting mind flayers down uh, in and around Skullport. And I really leaned into the eldritch horror of dealing with the mind flayers, even though I know I just said a few minutes ago, Forgotten Realms isn't supposed to be Call of Cthulhu. They weren't <laughs> crazy. There was just tentacles and like my madness yeah. involved. Yeah. But one of the main things the mind flayers kept doing, because like the, the mind flayers themselves are very squishy. Like it's nothing to drop a mind flayer. So they'd show up with these like legions of, uh, you know, mind control thralls. Mm-hmm. And of course the heroes are like, yay, we're going to do battle. And the mind flayer would just like raise his hand and all the people would draw their weapons and put their knives to their own throats. <laughs> and the mind flayers like, I'm sorry, did you say something? You know, and it was amazing how quick it was like, oh, like just it sucked <laughs> all of that. Yeah, right out of them, you know. Uh, the, the moral dilemma. The moral mm-hmm. dilemma, you know. But the time came when they finally got to beat those mind flayers. It was so much sweeter than we've walked into room C3 mm-hmm. in the random encounter table says 1D3 elithids, you know. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. And so um, kind, of, kind of piggybacking off of that, just as a DM, how do you prep for, for anyone who's, who's uh, working towards these, these higher levels or running these higher levels or wants to, how do you prep <laughs> in, for a world where your players can travel long distances in an instant, where they have world-altering spells, where they can challenge the gods themselves like, how do, you, how do you prep for a session where it's just like, well, the wizard could choose to go anywhere. Yeah. How, how am I going to make this work? What is, what is the prep like versus there's a goblin cave over here yeah. and back in the town and they got to go either parlay with them or, or wipe them out? Yeah, it's, um, well, let me say up front, I myself have been doing this long enough now that like I can just do it off the dome, uh, especially because I've been fortunate enough to DM so many charity streams. And one of the ways you raise money in the charity streams is people can donate to change things, you know? Yeah. So I just had to get used to people Super literally improv. literally being like, and now the Tarasque is here. Also now Tiamat's <laughs> here. Also now a Sararak is riding Nizmevit, you know? Like that, all of those things have happened to me. And so, <laughs> and it'd be like, yeah, all right, you know, here we go. This is where we are now. Roll initiative. <laughs> um, but I, I think to I, w- I would give you two different answers because the home game answer and a stream answer are two different things, although they are similar. Uh, when I plan a stream adventure, believe it or not, I plot it out just like an episode of television. I break it down into acts. That, uh, you know, these external things are going to happen at these points to try and move things along. I only really prepare the beginning, though. I have an idea. I have an idea where it's heading, you know, roughly what's going to happen. But I only am very clear on, like, the opening setup, you know, the inciting incident, and, like, what I'm going to say right out of the gates. Because, again, both the players and the dice will both surprise and betray you, as I said. So... (laughs) 
whatever you think it is, it may not be at all. Uh, especially because that same thing in A Darkened Wish. I thought they were going to be dealing with the Mind Flayers for three episodes. It ended up taking seven. Because mm-hmm. it just made sense in the way the story was going organically and fulfilling. There was no reason to try and rush it. You know, so I was able to let that breathe a little bit. Uh, when you're dealing with season breaks and stuff, you know, that can be harder to like try and plan out where, where you're going to go. But, you know, in, in your home games, uh, same thing. I pull up your monster listing. Again, I cannot recommend D&D Beyond highly enough. Uh, I am not a paid spokesperson for D&D Beyond, but I am paid by D&D Beyond and that stuff is legit. Uh, but it's agree. good, you know, but, but it's good to have, especially now with the new player app, the old app was a little meh, the new player yeah. app is really nice. Um, but you know, you pull up your monster list, right? And this is literally what I do. I, I know what my inciting incident is. I know where they are. Um, and then I have my monster list around and then I usually set them off after something like something happens to them. Like for the most part, I don't wait for the players to tell me what happens. Mm-hmm. Something happens to them. Like uh, my Patreon game is a quasi spell jammer planescape thing where they're like out in the planes, like riding, riding through space and time on their ship. And then like they go places and do things and then they get back on the ship and they leave. Um, because that was the core conceit I needed for the fact that there's such different players coming and going at different times. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, and because it, it linear, like dungeon crawls and stuff with rare, like I could get away with like two part stuff sometimes, but otherwise I couldn't do a linear dungeon crawl because mm-hmm. every time you have a different group of people, yeah. unless they could finish that dungeon in, in one session, of course. Um, so, you know, that, that kind of informed it also. Um, and I will tell you this also, when people talk about, Sometimes you get worried about a given character being too powerful. Um, I never worry about a character being too powerful ever because one of two things is true. One, they either still have a weakness. Two, I will attack them with five clones of themselves. <laughs> you know? I'm like, oh, you thought you're tough. Great. Here's six doppelgangers. Roll initiative. <laughs> you know, like I'm merciless with that. Like it, it, it in, in, I think, again, this was one of the things that helped me with uh, the, the comic book storytelling, especially things like Justice League, where you have a character that's like Superman, who's functionally God, but Hawkgirl still has to have something to do. Mm-hmm. Um, the way you accomplish stuff like that is multiple enemies, multiple goals, multiple targets, uh, characters or uh, foes with different weaknesses and vulnerabilities. That doesn't even necessarily mean splitting the party. It's that if you're fighting the Tarrasque, but there's also an army of archers that are still, uh, you know, every one in 10 of them is uh, dropping, uh, or one in 20, I suppose, is drop hitting a natural 20 and really starting to hurt. That like, maybe some of you have to go occupy this thing and some of you deal with this other thing. Still give everybody a chance to shine. You know, give the rogues a chance to be sneaky. You know, throw in some undead for your, for your clerics. Maybe not every single session, but at least often where everybody can be like, oh, this is my time to shine. Great. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, because everybody wants that same thing. They want to feel like what they're contributing matters. Um, yeah, and, 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 and honestly, don't stress it too much. Be afraid. I mean, don't be afraid to just make a choice right then and say, like, hey, look, um, this, is, this is how I'm calling it. Uh, I'll look at it later. If, if I got it wrong, we'll do it later next time. We'll do it better next time. But in, in when in doubt, if I really, truly don't ever know, I'm like, roll it. Just roll it. Tell me what the dice says, you know? I'm all like, <laughs> 13 eh, maybe not 
19? Eh, probably, you know? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just keep it rolling. It's, it's a, there's a rule out of improv that is a yes and, mm -hmm. you know? Like, do, do all you can to always yes and people and to not just hard say no. There's times you gotta, especially if you got characters that are, are, are players that are constantly pushing boundaries. Mm -hmm. But even if you have to know, no but them, you know? Where it's like, uh, can I sneak up behind him and cut his throat and kill him? Like a lot of times people that have never really played think in those terms because it's logical. It's like I cut his throat. Yeah, of course yeah. he's dead. It's like, well, but your dagger did 1d4 and he's got 200 more hit points. So <laughs> you really just made him mad. Um, but, you know, you, you start to give him things. It's like, well, can I just sneak up and cut his throat? It's like, well, no, but you can sneak up and get a surprise round on him where you'll be able to hit him harder and he won't be able to do anything. And then, you know, you'll still get to roll initiative after that. Things like that. Just keep it rolling. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's something that um, I've kind of come across um, in my own home game as well as I have uh, a couple players, uh, spellcasters who they really try to be very creative with, uh, you know, effects and different things that they do with their, you know, what someone would totally consider as a non-combat spell. And, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll read the wording on it and everything, kind of think about something that would, you know, kind of fit or kind of work. Like, if it's something that's way off the wall, like, Prestidigitation is a great spell that can be used for a lot of things, but it can oh, yeah. be used for everything. <laughs> True. Yeah, but, I mean, if you're able to kind of, you know, work around the, the, the rule set and everything, you can give them a little bit here and there and still have a lot of fun so that people aren't, you know, wasting their turn on something just because they wanted to try. Again, it's, it's one of those rewarding things where you give them a little bit of fun, something kind of cool, even though you have to say no. Yeah, you know, you can toss out inspiration for good ideas. You can give somebody advantage or disadvantage mm -hmm. on something. You know, it's like uh, they're like... um, could I press to digitate whipped cream inside the guy's boots to distract him? <laughs> you know what? The guy's going to have disadvantage on his deck saves now because he's got whipped creamy toes. Okay, <laughs> sure. You know? Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, because again, why not? You know? Mm -hmm. It's clever. Uh, and, and also, I will say, I have found, um, even though all things being equal, the consequences of the character's actions and inactions are what drive the conflict, and the conflict is drama. I find a lot of times when people are like, I'm a consequences DM. That's kind of code for I'm an asshole. Uh, that's just <laughs> yes. kind of here to power trip. You know, <laughs> nobody likes that. You know, again, it is a collaborative art. And, and when you're, if you're in a corner, if you're in a pinch, you don't know what to do. You can always toss it to the player. Be like, hey, you tell me what happens. You know, describe to me how you beat him. You know, tell me what this room looks like. You know, um, when you when you walk in, tell me how the people you see, because that engages the people in the story also, um, because, you know, your only enemy in this thing is 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 meh. You know, your your goal as a your job as a DM is to elicit a, an emotional reaction, get them nodding, get them shaking their head. No, get them laughing, get them crying, get them terrified. But if they're zoning out and on their phone, that's bad. And you have it within your rights to ban phones at your table for the record. And if you see people kind of like tuning out when it's not their turn, never be afraid to be like, what's Thrag doing during all this? Just like throw it to them, you know, Just, ah, what, what, you know, <laughs> and you're like, what are you doing during this? And the, that only has to happen a couple of times and you'll find that will solve any problems you had of people zoning out too. Yeah. <laughs> well, and oh, that's awesome. And so just kind of, kind of jumping off that, um, two player characters themselves uh what what are some of the things that 
uh, you've seen, especially, so you, we've talked about you, you've done a lot of the, the stream games mm-hmm. and in a lot of ways, not, not all the time, but in a lot of ways, those are much more theatrical yeah. than necessarily your, your standard at home table game. And I'm, there's, of course, there's going to be times in your table games when there's going to be drama and there's going to be great role play and stuff. But just from a from a stream game perspective, you're you're not just playing D and D. You're playing D and D to entertain other people, yeah, as well as to have fun yourself. So, what are what are some of the things? And I mean, even linking this to high level high level players, mm-hmm. what are some of the the RP concepts? Uh, some of the things that a high level player uh, or a high level player character the you running them should think about in those types of things and potentially even like tips to improve your role play in your home games that you can learn from stream games even if you're not being streamed so let me tell you a few things um I'll, i'll lay a bunch on you um one the main to me the strength of ttrpgs is it is uh a social thing um, getting together, eating dinner together, talking about work, complaining about your girlfriend or your boyfriend, talking about the the UFC and who's going to win the next fight. You know, all of that is vital to the experience and every bit as much of the game as the dice rolling. Mm-hmm. In a stream, cut all that out. <laughs> like, none of that is there. So all of the, the, the interpersonal aspect of it is mostly extracted, except for maybe a little bit kind of on the sides. And when you're streaming it is a performance and there's two different types of streams there's the good ones that are a performance a narrative that you yourself get lost in taking this adventure with your friends that you feel like you're at the table with them doing this thing together and then there's the bad ones where the camera's on while people are playing D. nobody wants to watch that Mm-hmm. So if you are thinking about getting into streaming which if you're thinking about getting into streaming you should do it Get your friends together, turn on a camera, have some fun. It's not that difficult. Uh, But when you're playing, try to immerse yourself in that role. Try and put on that mask and be that character and not take it off. Don't break it. Don't break character unless you absolutely have to. If you find yourself talking about what your character would do, don't say it as your character. You know, get in it and get into the immersion of it because that will alter your own experience at the table also. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of times I hear a lot about this like Matt Mercer effect where people look at people like Mercer or look at people like Brennan Lee Mulligan or me or Jasmine Bula or Todd Kenrick. And they're like, I can't do what they do. Uh, you can't. No, you can't at all. You cannot do what Mercer does. You cannot do what I do. But we can't do what you do. We can't Mm -hmm. tell your stories. We don't have your vision of this world and the narrative that you can lay out for it and the adventure you can take these people on. And that is innately valid. Uh, So don't be afraid to get up and speak your truth and tell your tale. Don't be afraid to get up and suck at it because you probably will. We all do it first. And just, you know, keep trying and keep improving and keep honing your craft. I think the more you can create a sense of immersion at the table and the players also create a sense of immersion. And 
you know, some some tables and some games are sillier than others and have the room for the odd, that's what she said, ha, ha, ha. But, you know, for the most part, you know, it's not about dick jokes, especially if you're playing something serious, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, try and be in it, try and be present to it. Even if you're having fun, even if it's being funny, have it be funny in character. It's like a, on um, season four of uh, Vampire the Masquerade, L.A. by Night, that we were on. We had this protracted discussion between me and one of the guests about whether or not two of the other characters were having sex or not. And we just played it like this completely like straight-laced deadpan thing in front of both of them. <laughs> and they're freaking out. And of course, everybody's cracking up because it's objectively <laughs> hilarious. But to us, we're like, yeah, no, of course that's a thing. Like, why would that not be a thing? Look at them, you know? Um, you can still do that without having to be like, yuck, 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 yuck yuck because i found all things being equal there is no faster way to make something be really really stupid than to try to make it funny um that it just ends up being dumb uh yeah and in and more than anything and i did just and i hit hinted at this a second ago but i continue to say so now if you're thinking about doing this do it do it do it. Yeah. If you're thinking about playing, play. If you're thinking about DMing, DM. If you're thinking about streaming, stream. Give it a shot. You know, you got absolutely nothing to lose. Get your friends together. Get some dice together. Try your best. Have some fun. As long as you all are enjoying it, that is all that matters. Exactly. Yeah, and I, I, I loved what you said. Um, just where you're, you're not a Mercer. You're not a, you're not a Brennan. It's just, it's one of those, it's one of those things where they're, it it can help. It can super help to watch people like you, like Matt, like Brennan on these streams. You can learn a lot of stuff. And that's what all, all sessions should be learning experiences. Mm-hmm. We talked, we talked last episode with, with justice on player feedback and uh, that can extend to, to DM self feedback where you sit back after a session and go, okay, how did this go? Or how do, how do I think this went? Mm -hmm. What did I like about it? What did I not like about it? What do I want to improve on? And you can do the same thing with watching these other, other DMS or other players. You can go, that thing they do is really cool. I kind of, I want to try and do that. It'll be your version of that, but that's not a bad thing. Well, and even, Oh no, please Ben, go ahead. Um, the big thing too is that's you know the more you do it, whatever it is, whether it's playing, DMing, streaming, anything like that, the more you do it, you will always get better at it too. Mm-hmm. So if you're worried about, uh, like you're saying about starting out not being very good at it, who cares? You will be eventually. You will improve if you're introspective about it. I know some people that have been playing 40 years and are garbage, but yes, in general, though, yes. You know, uh, well, and this is just another one of those those storytelling things that uh, not not to go off of, of on too long a diatribe at this late hour in our conversation. But when you're paying attention to stories, when you're paying attention to what resonates and doesn't resonate with you, start paying attention to why. You know, anything I don't like, I can tell you exactly why I don't like it. Anything I do like, I can tell you exactly why I do like it. And then you start trying to figure out how can I duplicate this in my games or how can I, you know, mitigate this happening in my games? Uh, Why did this story really resonate with me and why didn't this story really resonate with me and and take that and use that as constructive and figure out how you would take things apart and rearrange them and put them back together again 
if you were trying to tell a climactic story about the battle of with Vecna, how would you do it? You know, if you wanted to tell a story about commoners that suddenly were blessed with godlike powers, how would you do it? And those mental games and gymnastics of how you're going to do it will make you a more effective storyteller overall. Exactly. And I mean, even more so, just jumping back to villains and everything, motivations are a big thing, Mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, your own player, if you're DMing, whatever you're doing, like understanding kind of where you are as a character works out really well, no matter what level you're at. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's, um, I think that's the life element of it. And I mean, there, there is a value in the, in, in a world where the world is gray, there is some value in being able to clearly be like, no, that's the bad guy, him right there, that guy, Mm -hmm. you know, that guy eating the kitten, we're killing that guy, (laughs) you know, but, you know, in general, not everybody should be the guy in the top hat, you know, with the curly, curly mustache having tied a woman Mm -hmm. to the train tracks. At least if it is, you should get there. And it turns out she's a succubus and has killed 442 men and can only be destroyed by a silver train, which is coming right now (laughs) and only arrives once every 10 years, you know, like that sort of thing. And then decide how to, and then, and then have the succubus be like, no, I super did it. I really did, but I don't want to be, I don't want to be like this. And I promise uh, if you can help me find a cure, I won't throw that at them. Then decide. Here's a train. Train's going to be here in four rounds. Here's this dude that wants her dead. Here's her begging to help you. She might be lying. Roll initiative. You know? Moral dilemma. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ratings. Yeah. So, uh, so just to kind of bring things back down to earth a little bit, for someone who wants to uh, play one of these or run one of these high-level games, I mean, you've got a few options. One, you can, you can take a campaign from one to 20 if you have a year or two to, to, and people who are dedicated to that. But there's also options of a one shot or yep. potentially even starting uh, a campaign at level 15 or, or yep. 10 or 16 or even 20. So I just kind of final closing thoughts on this. What, what would you recommend to someone who's just like, man, all that stuff you guys are talking about sounds really cool. How do I start? There's no wrong way to play. There isn't. If you're new to the game, do start at level one. It's level one for a reason. Uh, don't be afraid of high-level play, though, because there are some builds, especially some multi-class builds, that trying to level up the hard way would be very arduous, but come together to something really sweet. Um, at the high end, uh, there's just no wrong way to approach it. Whatever seems fun to you, whatever seems fun to your group, you should do that thing. And hey, I said, you know, E7's not my jam, but maybe it is only your jam. Maybe to you, that is the essence of the game and that is okay. Uh, But if you wanna come swim in the deep end with the big kids, you know, they publish those rules for a reason. Uh, It really isn't so bad. It really isn't so different. You have just a lot more options, but the core mechanics of the game is the same. Um, So uh, give it a shot. You got nothing to lose. You know, I would say go make a level 20 character, even if you never play it. And like I said, if you want to try it, if you want to dip your toe in the water, hit me up on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash B Dave Walters, play D and D every single week. And I, I will show you the true nature of the dark side. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, just just looking at some of those level twenty powers, it just blows my mind how amazingly some like cool some of them are. I, I, I got I got to get there at some point. And you know, going all the way back to talking about the the wizard who could just cast meteor storm or meteor storm and everything. There's a reason why wizards become so powerful. 
If they survive long enough, they are fragile as hell. But once you get up there, they can do just the most amazing things. Oh, man, I come from second edition where I'm like, back in my day, you had 1d4 hit points and, and a single spell. And you had to survive long enough to get to fireball. And then, you know, nobody, nobody would ever help. You couldn't wear armor. You couldn't, couldn't even yep. wear out there yep. wearing, wearing a robe, you know? Uh, yeah, but I mean, even little things. Like you have a character like... Um, a level two grave cleric, level cler- uh, level uh, 17 or 18 assassin rogue can do times eight damage with 66 sneak attack. Just they can do somewhere between 200 and 600 damage once a, once a game, but it's like, no, something is going to die. Well, once per long rest rather. <laughs> yeah. But you're like, no, but that thing over there is dying. Like it is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if, if a character earns that or starts with that, you shouldn't take those moments away from them. Just realize as a DM, every situation you're going to put them in from then on, make sure you got at least two bad guys because one of them is getting lit up like in the very first round. So, but it's, but it's interesting to be able to, uh, to have that. And it's nice. It's fun, you know? Yeah. yeah. There's a, there, there is ultimately, if you take anything else away from what I'm saying, because I've said a lot of words, there is no wrong way to play the game as long as you're having fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Definitely. Absolutely, for sure. Uh, so before we dive into our last uh, little little segment, um, Dave, thank you so much for coming. It's been hey. such a great great time having having just a, a conversation with you and mm-hmm. talking about some some stuff that doesn't get talked about as much. Yeah, I I'm I'm a theory crafter. I love talking about the things I love as much as I love doing the things I love. Um, so I like Brennan, Brennan Lee Mulligan and I get like so lost, like dude, in like the deepest, darkest rabbit holes theory, like talking <laughs> about the intricacies of things. Cause it's like, to me, that's, that's just as interesting and as exciting. Like, like not just what is a thing, but why is the thing that way and what makes it beautiful and how can you make it more beautiful? So I, I appreciate getting able to pontificate and wax poetic whenever I can. Uh, it's love it. Absolute pleasure meeting you. And, and I, I've had such a, a blast and it's very insightful. So it, seriously, thank you so very much. No, thank you for having me. I'd love to do it again anytime. And Dungeons and Dragons, The Dark and Wish season three is going to premiere soon. Season three is definitely coming back like sometime in October. I don't know, like two-ish weeks, three-ish weeks, sometime, sometime in mid-October. Season three is coming back. And uh, the first two seasons are up on YouTube right now. And the graphic novel and the comic books are available everywhere fine comics are sold. Awesome. And yeah, this is, this is the point where... Any other, any other projects, any other streams you're doing? You play in a, in a weekly stream on D&D Beyond. Yep. Uh, you, you're doing a documentary. You've got yep. the comic. You, you're you're yep. making an RPG. Yep. <laughs> yep. You're so busy. Tell, tell us uh, all about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a layabout. I think at last count, <laughs> I had seven full-time jobs. Uh, <laughs> but but re- relative to what we're doing here, yes, uh, co-creator of Dungeons & Dragons of Dark and Wish. Um, Tuesdays, I play freely. Uh, the best boy the lucky half laying on silver and steel on uh, D&D Beyond Twitch on Wednesdays Pirates of Leviathan where I play uh, Mossy the Typhoon who is the exact opposite of Freely in every possible way and he, he's the worst boy uh, that is on uh, Dimension 20 and on, and on Dropout uh, Thursdays in the morning I play Ascension on um, uh, Roll For It Thursday nights is a Dark and Wish that I DM um, 
And then I do a bunch of World of Darkness. I do about 10 to 12 Patreon games a week. I am lead developing uh, Into the Motherlands, which is an all-new POC sci-fi game that debuts mm-hmm. uh, Sunday, October 4th. Uh, I, I did just crowdfund for a documentary called Dear America from a Black Guy to uh, help people try and be cool to each other. Um, that's uh, pinned at the top of my Twitter at B. Dave Walters. Uh, crowdfunded a documentary or a no, uh, graphic novel earlier this year. Electropunk will be out soon. Um, well, it won't be out soon, but we're working on it now. Uh, I'm like, I did my part. It's written. <laughs> uh, yeah. In um, helping out Beatles and Graham with some stuff that's going to be coming up soon. It's going to be dope. And just, uh, yeah, you know, I just, I just, just a do few things. things. Yeah. Just a few right. Things. Yeah. Playing with Ed Greenwood this weekend in a charity thing, which is wild. That's the sentence I got to say out loud. Um, wow. Yeah. So just cool. follow me on Twitter. Ed B. Dave Walters. I don't yeah. expect you to keep track of all I do. I barely can keep track of it. And I'm there <laughs> when it happens. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm, oh, go ahead, Ben. I was say one more time. Toss out that Patreon as well. Just in, in uh, hey, uh, vampire, werewolf, world of darkness, changeling, mage, wraith, Dungeons and Dragons, and occasionally Battle Lords. Um, we have two campaign servers, one in LA and one in New York, which is patreon.com forward slash B Dave Walters. 24 hours, seven days a week, worldwide role play on Discord. That's Very a good cool. time. You come if you uh, if you want to try, if you want to play, uh, it, come and join us it's a lot of fun that is that is something because uh one of the one of the things that actually turned me on and i've never actually played vampire the masquerade oh, one of the I things that turned me on ago yeah for it was uh, la by night and it's... watching watching some of those streams like uh on off critical role nights and stuff like that and mm-hmm. so it's, it's always is always very very interesting it seemed like it'd be a really a fun you should come join us. You know, the, the, the joy of the world of darkness, not to detour too much, because I know you guys are trying to get on with your thing. Um, the, the thing about the world of darkness, it, it's, very, it's a very easy first game to play because it's this world. Like D&D, you need to learn about Waterdeep and Faerun and, and all this stuff. Uh, everybody understands L.A. You can, you can set a game in your hometown. <laughs> where you could be like that 7-Eleven right over there is where this is taking place. It just so happens there's vampires killing people behind the 7-Eleven. And you're like, what? Yep. You know, uh, so it, it, it is, an, is an easy entry. And that game, ultimately, it is a storytelling game of personal horror. It's about the fact that you are a monster desperately trying to hold on to what made you human uh, against the kind of inevitable decline into admitting to yourself of what you are, um, which is a lot of fun. A lot, a lot, a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, and, uh, and I also uh, wanted to shout out uh, the, the Pirates of Leviathan again, because that is going on live. And personally, and, and I've talked about it a little bit, Dimension 20 is one of my absolute favorite. Yeah. Just D&D content to watch. Brennan is just a, a masterful DM. The, and it's, it's tropes you don't see in D&D often because he takes yep. D&D and kind of turns it on its head. It's, it's the fantasy world, but it's in high school or it's yep. the fantasy world, but it's in New York. Yep. Uh, and so lots and lots of really good content. So definitely go check those out. What he does that is so good too, is he makes his world a living, breathing thing and the people in it are living, breathing things. Uh, and his characters and NPCs are so unique and so nuanced. They really do come to life in three dimensions. Uh, and that's hard to do. It's hard to do with even one or two memorable NPCs, much less dozens. Uh, and, and, and he, if, I mean, yes, everything, he is a great storyteller. But if you want to know what to learn, what to learn from Brennan Lee Mulligan is how he does that. How he 
distinctly differentiates every single one of the of the people that occupy his worlds. Uh, it's a beautiful thing to watch happen and to just see happen in front of you in real time. Yeah. 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 Looking at you, Glear. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, so before, before uh, we, we get out of here, usually at the end, we take a few minutes and talk about just uh, quickly what's going on in our games. Uh, B. Dave, you've got a lot of games going on. Any, any from the last like week or two, any like really interesting moments that you were just like, oh, this was, this was super cool. Uh, the main thing I've been doing is so the New York server, the, the LA server has been going on uh, a little over a year now. We're closing in on about 15 months and some of the characters that have been playing for a long time have got to be really powerful. They're kind of elder states players now. And, um, New York was a gentle reboot where everybody could do something new and the slate was kind of reset and everybody was kind of of comparable power. And one of the things I've been playing is things that happen in new york affecting la and vice versa but the players don't know so i or the characters don't know so i'll have like a player has an arch enemy in la one character has an arch enemy in la but then that they're playing a different character in New York that meets that arch enemy and doesn't know they're an arch enemy. So they have to play like, they're like, I just don't like this dude. And I don't know why. And I'm all like, you just met this dude. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, little, little knife twisty things like that, you know, where it's kind of oh, so like, uh, you know, this, the over here, you guys are desperately trying to figure out this riddle that a pivotal piece of information was given over there, but there's no way, no way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cause I'm a terrible person. Yeah. That that's, that's the fun of the shared worlds though mm -hmm. like right now i have i have two campaigns going on in my homebrew world of of glathria they're both on the same continent and so one of them is a much lower level party than the other one but they're seeing some of the effects that the higher level party has left over the course of their adventuring journey so that's that's been really fun to be able to pepper and even though they're not anywhere near each other mm -hmm. right now that's that's a it's a fun thing to be able to to do Yep. Uh, ben, what about you? We last session we had a whole lot of travel going on. Ah, Horses in the cart session. going quite a long ways, but uh, my party decided to completely bypass the city to drop off the MacGuffin that they just picked up. So I'm like, cool. And uh, they're moving on to get the next one. So they're uh, they just started entering this horrible, horrible, horrible swamp full of all these really big baddies and everything so uh they're just getting there we ended the session with a oh and it's running at you right now so <laughs> what happens next session i'm looking forward to it always good to leave them hanging definitely <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. my, it's funny because my my i've actually got both my campaign uh sessions that i dm this weekend one one tomorrow night and one one saturday night and i can talk about it because this doesn't come out till monday so they they won't be able to hear <laughs> but uh and one uh it's it's hilarious because I, i've talked about how um the current situation my high level party are in is because of a situation my cleric made at level two and left a problem unsolved, it festered, and now it's basically taken over and destroyed an entire city. 
and now they are finally at level 10 going to clean up the mess. So they basically got to the city last session. This session, they're going to be moving into the city and finding out. And, and this is, and I, I warned them beforehand, I was like, this is probably going to be a pretty dark art, guys. Like, this is, this is, this is bad stuff. Like, this is, this is like a death, death cult. And there's like corruption in, in the church in this extremely religious city and it, it festered and it's turned into this whole big thing. So they're basically going to make their way into the city. They're going to probably meet some of the resistance that is, that is happening there and figure out what is, what is going on. And then my, my other party is up on top of the Iron Spike Mountains. They just survived a flash flood, which was super, super fun. And now they're going to have to deal with harpies trying to charm them off. So that should be, that should be. As one does. <laughs> As one does. Heaven forbid. Yep. <laughs> forbid. Uh, but yeah, awesome. Well, that is it for us again, B-Day. Thank you so much for coming. Um, it was just an absolute pleasure having you. Learned a lot. Um, and then Ben, why don't you tell everyone else where we can be reached before we All right. Uh, well, if you have any uh, questions, comments, want to tell us uh, some stories or ask for some uh, spell clarifications, which you did get one in, we'll address it next episode. Uh, send those to dndiscussions at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at dndiscussions. And of course, uh, Ryan, on Twitter, you are tbkzord. I am at Ben Bumhofer. And uh, if you want to hear what it's like uh, for Ryan and I to play Dungeons & Dragons, definitely check out Plus 5 to Hits. Uh, it's where we are finishing up a campaign, and then uh, shortly we're going to be moving forward with a new one, which I'm super excited about. Very excited about that one. Very excited. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much. We're going to end it here. Everyone, take care, and we will see you next time. Yep. Until next time, everybody, be good to each other. <laughs>